Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Clarity, Part 1, Girl Power, recorded Sunday, May 14th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Let me ask you a question. Of all the miracles that Jesus performed, if you could have been there in person to witness it, which, which would you have chosen? If you just choose one. Like, I mean, would, would, it, would it be when he walked on water? I've never seen anybody do that before. Uh, when he fed the 5,000 plus with just a few uh, items, some fish and some loaves, how that would have all un- unfolded, that would be amazing. Would it be one of the many miraculous healings that he performed, which just defied all description? Would it be that? The great miracles. But I would say if you're saying one of those is the greatest of all miracles, I would say you're wrong, uh, respectfully so. Now, I know it's Mother's Day, so I guess we need to say this, and I think it's true. Possibly the greatest natural miracle that's ever performed is the giving of birth. Thank you very much, ladies. It's a miracle. I've, I've witnessed three of those, and uh, the miracle of childbirth, I've always thought that is a real-life miracle. There's no other way to describe it. But since it's Mother's Day, I, I just I, I thought, you know, what about the miracle? Like the one. Like, I think about it as being a fan. So if I'm, I don't know, if, if I like country music, not saying I do, but if I did, and who was, who's my favorite performer? So would I want to see them at the Pinnacle Bank Arena? Would I want to see them at Red Rocks? Would I want to see them at Carnegie Hall? They'll never make it, but if I, they could... So, and then I'd want to be in what seat? I'd want to be in the center, like maybe 10 rows back, something like that. Or if you're a sports fan, like there's all kinds of things. You'd say, if it's basketball, I want to be center court. If it's football, I want to be at the 50-yard line. You know, whatever your sport is, I don't know. I'd want to be front and center at the greatest thing. Well, let me just say this. Probably no arguments from you. The greatest miracle of all is the resurrection of the king. There's no question about it. That miracle happened in the Garden Cemetery around 35 AD where Jesus throat-punched death and put it in its place. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important event in the history of the world. It will never be topped, ever. I I thought I'd invite a couple of really cool people to come and read about this. So invite to the stage with me Chelsea and Kathy, would you? Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along beside him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. 
Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had, what he had said, these things to her. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yes, they deserve it. The resurrection of Jesus, and if I could see just one, I, I think I'd like to have been there like Mary was, the first one. I gave the, this sermon a title. You don't usually see the title, but I'm calling it Girl Power. Now, dudes, don't check out on me because there's a lot here for you. I just want you to know that. But, uh, but the first person to witness resurrection hope, it was a girl. It was Mary. Now, the 12 apostles get a lot of ink in the Bible. Some of them wrote some of the Bible, so that might have something to do with it. But so do the women who followed Jesus. And they were as committed, as dedicated as, as the men who followed Jesus were. And that first person who saw the most glorious miracle ever performed in the history of the world forever was Mary, this woman. Now, Mary was a popular name in that day, and it still is today. But there were a lot of Marys even in the Bible. You probably know this. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, there were several others listed in the New Testament. But if you're having a baby next year and you are thinking about naming your daughter Olivia or your son Liam, I just want you to know that when you start getting invitations to graduations in the year 2041, you're going to get a lot of those names because they're the most popular names in culture today in America at least. So... Mary was a very well-known name. Now, this particular Mary has been identified as Mary Magdalene. What do we know about Mary Magdalene? Well, I'm going to use three M's to, to tell a little story because it's Mother's Day, the M holiday, and I'm a preacher. That's what preachers do. They give letters to stuff. So M Magdalene, what does that mean? Well, she was from a town called Magdala. Now, why is that important? Because Magdala was a very influential city, a very wealthy city in that day. It was a city that was a primary producer of textiles for the Roman Empire, a really important city. And that meant that it was a city of money. And we know that, that's the second M, and Mary had money. 
We're told, I don't know, we're not told where it comes from, but we just know that she was one of the primary financiers of Jesus' ministry. Now, why is that important? It's important because we see something about human beings. And that is when we are throwing in, all in on something, we'll, we'll give whatever it is that we have to make sure it succeeds. In this case, she threw all in on Jesus, and she supported him with her time, with her talent, and with her money. And by the way, those of you who are all in like that here, I want to thank you. I don't say, say enough of that around here, but thank you for being all in on Jesus and doing so here at Third City. We appreciate you. The third M stands for messy, like really messy, like mired in messy, like brokenness beyond brokenness. That's Mary at one point in her life. When you look at her life prior to her encounter with Jesus, it was a pure mess. Now, we have to go back about three years. In Luke chapter 8, it says that when Jesus met Mary, she had seven demons. Now, that doesn't sound good. Like, I don't know what, the, I don't even know what that means, to be honest. Like, I have some ideas, but it's certainly spooky and dark. What does it mean? My answer is, well, it might mean several things. Like, maybe it's the way that people in the first century described people who had severe mental illnesses, and there was no scientific or medical explanation for it back then. So maybe that's the way they described severe schizophrenia or borderline personality disorders or rapid cycling bi bipolar syndrome or whatever else might, you might think of. Or maybe she had some physical issues as well, or maybe on beyond that, she had seizures, for instance. And again, we don't know this, but then people didn't know what that was, so they said, it must be demons. Uh, that was just how they did it. Or maybe it's something way darker and sinister like demons, and that's it. It could be that too, of course. But we do know she had seven of them. Now, seven in the Bible is the number of wholeness. It's just showing us she was wholly messy. That's what it's showing us. Her whole life fractured. Every area of her life, and that's hard to do, friends. Like, like you can say to some, about somebody, man, their life's a mess, and you say, yeah, you know, he's like, he said, you know, he's, a, he's an alcoholic, and, and he works for the mafia, and, and uh, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's had five, kid, five, five wives and a bunch of kids that hate him. And, 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 but you know what? That dude can smoke some ribs, man. Like he, you know, there's always one thing, you know, that you'd say he's got some redeemable value. Mary was messy in every area of her life. And she was from Magdalia, and she had some money. Now, have you noticed when women are messy and they have money and fame, in our culture, we tend not to have compassion for them? Like, we'll offer help and resources for women who are broken and don't have much or who have been victimized, and we should. We have places like Hope Harbor and Oxford House and Willow Rising in our community that just step in and help support people. And by the way, thank you for supporting those organizations. They're amazing. And we show empathy. But women who have made a mess of their lives and they have money, and I'm speaking culturally now, we tend to punish them. Like, like women who have money and fame, women and men both, we tend to judge them. They become the latest target on social media and People magazine, which does still exist, I found out, because I went to an optometrist's office a while back, and they had People magazine there. 
And I open it up, and it's like, oh, they're torching everybody this month. Everybody has money. We condemn rich and famous people, and then we cancel them. And by the way, can I just say this, and maybe some of you agree, I am sick of cancel culture. Just sick of it. Like, like we're, we're so ready to jump on board and judge people, and we cancel them. And I know that people need to be held accountable. I get that. And I know that we can't just continue to see evil doing go crazy. I understand that. But my brothers and sisters, where, we're Christians. Where is forgiveness? Where's a second chance? Like, I want to ask you and be honest with me. How many of you need at least one second chance in your life? Raise of hands. Oh, about half of you. The rest of you, I'm going to give you a second chance right now. How many of you need? Because <laughs> you're lying, okay? I'm just saying it right now. Let's be people of second chances. Anyway, the people of Magdala, they weren't given second chances to this lady because she was the country club lady with an Escalade chariot, Gucci sandals, and a Versace robe. And she had problems, and they're good. Good, she deserves it. They didn't name her broken. They just said she's a woman of demons. Not only did Jesus not write her off, though, he put her on the team, okay? So there's probably someone in here who feels like, man, I'm just so broken, there's just no way. I am seven demons times two. That's how messy you feel today. And you look around, and all these people, they're so nice, and they, they might have some stuff, but they don't got my demons because I'm wholly gone. And I'm just here to tell you right now, listen to me, you are wholly wrong. And he proves it to you. Now, by the way, mess, that's just a synonym for sin, okay? So it's not about your value, it's about your function. Sin is, mess. Mess and sin describes how we're functioning. Your value is different than function. And I will say this, it's true, and you need to hear it, God hates sin for the reason that it hurts you and others. Other people's sin hurts you, your sin hurts you and others. So we, we understand that. But it doesn't diminish your value to God. Moms and dads, I think you understand this. When your kid is acting like a turd, and I can say that in church because it's in the Bible, and the Bible it calls it dung, but I'm going to use the modern translation of the Bible, which is turd. And when your kid is being a turd, and I know they do, you know what it's like to hate the stink around that, right? But you also know what it's like to love the child beyond that. It doesn't diminish your love for them. Now, I wanted to illustrate the difference between sin and mess and value. So I thought, there's no one better that I could think of to help me with this than Quinn Olson. So can you welcome Quinn Olson to the stage right now? Come on. Hello, Quinn Olson. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good. Good. How would you like to make 10 bucks? Sure. Okay. 10 bucks. It's, all, it's yours. No, no, there's just, there's no, no strings attached, just a, a saw buck for you, a $10 bill. Still want it? Mm-hmm. All right. You want it now? Yes. Okay. Uh, now do you want it? Yes. Okay. 
Little, little, yeah, okay, here you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. There's not a stage she doesn't like. I'm just saying. All right, now what's the point? The point of that is, despite of all the abuse and the wrinkling, the value of that $10 bill did not change in her eyes. The value was unaffected. What's your value to God? Your value is not based on your brokenness. Hear me now. It's, braced, it's, it's based on the market. That's right, the market. Not on your functionality, but on the concept of human economics. You are worth what the market will bear. I better explain that too. How many times have you done this? Like you see some person, like some really, like some football coach, uh, a, a rapper, or you know, a performer of other of other yelks, or some athlete, or whatever, and you find out what they're gonna make, and you go, "Oh my goodness, they're gonna make how much?" Yeah, it's like twenty million dollars, or whatever it is, whatever the whatever it is, and you're like, "Why don't they do that for teachers and and?" and firefighters, preachers. You know, why don't they honor people like that with, with that kind of resources? And why do they give those people that money? I'll tell you why they do it. Because the market bears it. That's why. That's what the market is worth. That's what we will pay for that. What will the universal market bear for you as a human being? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how much. And he looks past your brokenness, and he's willing to value you that much. And one of the ways that he chose to prove that to us, and there are many ways, is he made sure the first person see who saw him walk out of a tomb alive was Mary. He didn't choose one of the 12 apostles. He didn't use some local celebrity at the time. He didn't use Pilate who put him on the cross. He didn't use some of the priests who had crucified him. He chose Mary. And why did he choose Mary? Maybe this is true, maybe not. I might be making it up, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's not stuck on functionality. He's stuck on value. And he knows the difference. And he knows the difference in you. The first place of hope is the empty tomb of Jesus. So if you're here and you're feeling like a, a hot mess, goodness, her name is Mary. Jesus is the only person ever who chose to check into a grave and who was able to check himself out. Now let me say something, and please don't counsel me for saying this. The tomb without Jesus is like religion. I don't want to offend you if you're just religious. Actually, there's good research that shows if you're just religious, you're going to live like seven years longer than the normal person. Like if you just make your pattern of life to somehow be religious in some way, it can even be something like, like some other religion besides Christianity or Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or some denominational cause that has no life in it, whatever. If you're active in your church or your synagogue or whatever, and you're going to live about seven years longer on average than the other person in this world. 
And, and by the way, preachers didn't make that survey to keep you coming to church. Like that's, that's Gallup or something like that. Barna, I don't know which one. And by the way, tombs are practical. Like they really are. I, I've been around some tombs. You have too. You go to graveyards. You might have an urn on your shelf somewhere. I don't know. Human beings are the only species that bury our dead. Did you know that? I mean, can you imagine how horrible it would be in this world if we didn't bury our dead? How just horrible that would be? There'd be corpses lying around. It would be like the walking dead. People bury their dead. Religion is as useful as tombs in that, re- in that regard. When you go to a graveyard and you notice an urn on a shelf, usually you think about one thing, death. I know that sounds depressing, but I'm just going to say it here. Maybe you didn't know this, but it's undeniable. 100% of us will die. Like the stats, the stats are, are, un, are I, there's one that, that came back and then he's starting things over. But 100% of us will face death. So, so that's what religion shows us. Religion shows us a purpose. Like tombs, it's practical, but it's only functional without Jesus. Religion is nothing more than a tomb if Jesus never escaped his. But he did. The Christian faith is not just some moral teachings where we come together and say, I'm a better person because I went to church today. Well, you might be. But you didn't come here just to honor some dead guru that said some cool stuff about 2,000 years ago and people should live by that stuff. At least I hope you didn't. Jesus didn't live and die to start a world religion. He lived and died and was raised to begin a revolution. Jesus, in a, in a specific time and place, came into this world. He died for our messes. He was buried and he was raised from the dead and we are saved by that action of his. So the former mess of a Mary, she was a witness to all of that. And I love that Jesus didn't cancel Mary because of her messy. But instead he stepped right into it. He canceled her guilt. Canceled her sin. Canceled her self-loathing. He canceled the marginalization she lived her whole life experiencing. He canceled her shame. That is the resurrection power of Jesus. That is the power that transforms us. Not just for forever, although that's true, but for this moment and for this moment on. The first word of hope. What is it? The first word of hope. Going back to John 20, 15, Jesus asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. Now, realize we, we have a hard time sometimes wondering, well, why didn't she recognize him? Well, it's early. She probably hasn't slept in three days. She's been crying. She's witnessed the horrific death of the one she thought was going to save us all. She didn't immediately recognize him. I don't think I can blame her. I don't think you should either. And I would say that people who are mired in grief and despair, they have a hard time recognizing God in the moment. I will just tell you, I work with a lot of those people. In the moment, it's hard to see God. By the way, dudes, I want to say this. We have been flim-flam by Hollywood and Christian cartoons to view Jesus as a hippie-style, long-haired, white-robed, sandaled white boy with blue eyes who looks like he's never lifted a thing in his life. Dudes, 
He was a carpenter 1,950 years before Black & Decker was ever invented. He took some kind of weird little axe out to the forest and cut down trees, and he made boards out of them, okay? And then he built stuff with them, and he made his own concrete out of something. I don't know what. He didn't have a bobcat. He didn't have a cement mixture. He didn't have a, probably didn't have a hammer. He was a Nazarene. That means he looked more like this guy than this guy. Okay? I'm just saying. He was a construction worker and a fisherman who walked everywhere and probably had shoulders and a six-pack, not the kind you might be thinking, a beard and maybe a unibrow. I don't know. He was a dude, okay? Now, here's why I brought that up. You see what Mary said? She's going to this gardener. She goes, where have you put him? I'm going to go get him. Like she's, I'm going to go get him. My friend, you don't need to carry Jesus. He will carry you. That's when Jesus snaps her out of her grief by, what, what's the first word of hope? He said, Mary. He called her name. I mean, he could have said, ta-da! Could have said, surprise! Could have said, boom, I'm back! Mary. Because you know what? Jesus is powerful, but he's personal. It's not the first time he called her, by the way. First time he called her when she was a seven-demon mess. And he said, Mary. And that's how it is. That's how it's been, and that's how it will continue to be until he comes back for all of us. Life is found in the raised king who calls your name. And today he might be calling your name. And it may be audible, probably not. But right in here, you hear it. Because the one who loves you more than any of your brokenness values you that much. I want to come back and finish this thought, but we're going to commune together and let's pray. Lord, as we come to this table, just a couple thoughts. One is, you came into our mess square in the middle of it. And the other thought is, you walked out of a tomb alive to show us it's possible. When we share this cup together as the church, as your people, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah, like this could be your moment. This could be your Mary. This could be, this could be when you, this is the moment when you, you visibly and physically and emotionally and spiritually say the tomb is empty and he's standing outside of it. I know that now. I know that. And you hear him. Tyson, Lori, Ava, Michelle, Olivia, Liam, Tori, Chris, Joseph, Chelsea, Kathy, Quinn. Well, I have some messes. I'm a mess. It's a club of mess, okay? I'm just we join you in that. We know that. We're, there's not a person here who can't admit that. The promise he gives you is that because of his resurrection, you can be free. Free. He told his disciples, whoever believes in me and is baptized will be saved. 
saved. How does saved sound? Like saved from the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups that are screwing up your life, messing with you every day. Saved from the fear, the fear that comes with death. Moms, there's a lot of gifts we could give you this Mother's Day, and hopefully you'll get some. But I'm offering you the only gift that really matters in the end. He's calling your name. That's a gift. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.